Scripture reading this evening is taken from the 90th Psalm. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. We'll be reading verses 10, 11, and 12. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It's just great to see you tonight, and just like this morning, we've got a good number of our members away, but we are also blessed to have a great number of guests, and for your presence, we really are thankful. We rejoice that you've chosen to be here. Also good to see a sweet lady, Rhonda Chamness, back here tonight after having spent a lot of time in recent days with respiratory issues. Good to see you, Miss Rhonda, and we are blessed to keep you in our prayers as you work through that particular matter. One way to accomplish little is to try to do everything, especially if you're going to try to do it all at once. It's interesting that Paul would write in Philippians chapter 3, this one thing I do. Sometimes we can get so involved in so many things that we forget that the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. To love God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. Mark 12 and verse 30. And to love our neighbor as ourselves. Matthew 22 Verses 36 through 40. Are you busy? Are you crazy busy? When was the last time you spoke with somebody and they said, you know, I'm not really all that busy? If they were, the likelihood is that they may have been a a six-year-old child. I don't have anything to do right now, mom or dad. Or they may be a person that's in in an assisted care facility, a nursing home, and maybe they would love to have someone come by for a visit to help fill their day, to help spend some time with them. But you know, most people would say, I am really busy. It's just common And when a person says, I'm not busy, normally they're trying to get you to let them help you when you know full well that they really are busy. They are. Here's something interesting about Jesus. Never do you read in Scripture that Jesus rushed, that He hurried. And it seems to me that the Lord had a remarkable grasp of time. 
and really what he was here to accomplish. And it seems to me that that's an area where many of us who wear the name of Christ struggle. We struggle with our allotment of time. There is a time for everything under the sun. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 1. Many of us need to understand this. There is a time to be still and know that God is God. Psalm 46 and verse 10. And I think many of us, and we love the Lord, but we struggle with the matter of time because we are just as active as anyone in the world is. We have jobs. We have families. There's school events. There's, there's, there's travel. There's all kinds of things. Plus, we have our commitment to the Lord too. So if anybody should have an active life... I would say it should be a Christian. But sometimes that comes at the expense of investing time to be still and know that God is God. Now let me ask you, why so many kids do great at camp? Why retreats are so important? Why people will go and attend some kind of of spiritual event to recharge their batteries, maybe like polishing the pulpit in August, and they'll make that trip. And the reason is obvious. One has to block out time in their schedule for all of those things. One of the reasons why we often grow most when we get away from everything is because our schedule has a plan for that. I would suggest that a camp, a retreat, or a spiritual event like polishing the pulpit, as marvelous as each is, is not the only occasion when we should schedule time just for God. Be still and know that I am God. And I wonder if Christ's words to Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, aren't really about this matter. Jesus says to Martha, Mary has chosen the better part. And where is Mary? At the feet of Jesus. Sometimes we are so busy and our lives are so full, we simply must stop and be still and know that God is God. If you want to accomplish little, try to do everything. And it doesn't matter how talented you are, no one can do everything all at once and accomplish much. A short sermon on a serious subject. Using our time in a way that honors God more and will give us greater joy. I want to do just a few things 
First of all, I want to talk about three dangers of busyness. Three dangers of busyness. Then as we study and think together, I would like to ask you one question that I hope that you will apply to your schedule regularly. One question. Three dangers of getting too busy. One question that you can apply to your schedules regularly, consistently. And I think will bless you. It has me. And then third, sometimes when we talk about time and Christians, we just think that if we just try harder and do more, that's the solution to everything. And while there may be some lethargic, uh, somewhat lazy folks in the church, I think most of us as Christians want to honor the Lord. And we desire to serve others. And I'm going to give five suggestions for helping us do that better. And not get too caught up in the rat race. Because like they say, only the rats win in the rat race. If you try to do everything, you'll accomplish little especially if you're trying to do everything all at once. Three dangers of busyness. Danger number one. Think about this. Busyness can slowly erode our relationship with God. That's a danger. I've seen it happen in some people's lives and I've struggled with it in my own. Busyness can slowly erode one's relationship with God. We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we've heard lest we let them slip. Hebrews 2 and verse 1. I don't want anything to slowly erode my relationship with God, do you? I want it to build and become even more precious to me over time. To slowly erode our relationship with God. You know why busyness can do that? Because we are finite creatures. We're not God. And busyness can erode our relationship with God because we cannot plan appropriately enough for margin. Hope you'll remember that word, margin. Because busy people, people that get caught up in busyness, are always struggling with the load and the limits. They are at full capacity as far as their load. Let me ask you this. Can you plan ahead for setbacks? Can you know everything that might happen in advance? You'd have to know the good, like, have knowledge like the good Lord, huh? Can you plan for opportunities, all opportunities that might come your way? Can you plan for the margin? You know, how often we say, I would have liked to do this, but something came up, this came up. 
This setback, this difficulty, this new opportunity, and so things get shelved. I find that busyness takes a physical toll on people. Busyness takes an emotional toll and a mental toll on us over time. But the most dangerous tolls that busyness takes are spiritual. And it can erode our relationship with God. And now the joy is gone and we are just dried out. I talk to a lot of preachers, many of whom are just worn out because they are trying to be so busy that they do not stop. They're not still to know that God is God. Speak with a lot of shepherds in the church, same type of thing. Maybe it's something that you can relate to from time to time, and it can erode your relationship with God so that you don't have joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Galatians 5.22 The Word of God was written that our joy might be full, 1 John 1 and verse 4. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16, 11. Let me ask you this. Open your Bibles to this passage. Matthew 16, 26. And allow me to give it in its original form and then allow me to change it ever so slightly, but you'll understand why. Matthew 16, 26. What shall a man be profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now the change. What shall a man be profited if he should invest his time gaining the world? but precious little time investing in the world to come. How's your investments? How's your spiritual portfolio? Danger number two. Busyness can rob us, can rob our hearts. Busyness can rob our hearts. Matthew 6.21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Have you ever been so busy that you did things, but you just kind of were going through the motions? You were kind of on autopilot. Uh, Evidently, he's been on autopilot concerning shaving for the last few days. But I understand after VBS, this will be fine. I heard that from Julie specifically, and I'm happy about that. Uh, someone said, Mike, so that's I'm getting on you. I got, an, I got a text message from someone that said, well, I'm kind of one of your shut-ins, but they're a viewer uh, that watches our worship with an elderly dad. And he said, Mike, I was amazed this morning that when you got on your knees, you were able to get up without assistance. 
There are things that will rob us, rob us of joy, and rob our hearts. Open your Bibles to Mark 4, 19 and 20. Busyness will rob our hearts because when we get really busy, we often worry. We often worry. That's mentioned right there in Mark 4.19. What else do you see in Mark 4.19? We might be robbed by worry. We might be robbed by the desire for riches and the pursuit of things. Robbed. Robbed. I was robbed. Robbed of time that I could have invested in better things. Have you ever noticed when you worry, you take a lot of time doing it and it eats on you, gnaws on you? You ever notice that whenever you get into things, after you acquire things, which takes time, amen, then you have the upkeep and care of those things which may well take even more time than you ever thought possible. Isn't that true? And before you know it, you realized you have been robbed. The time investment is far greater than we ever thought. Think about James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. If the Lord wills, we shall do this or that. If the Lord wills, let's be careful. It seems to me that some of us would defend our possessions and our families very strongly. And I can appreciate that. Are we as jealous about our relationship with God? Are we? And that investment. Danger number three. Busyness can be a cover-up for our pride. For our ego. After all, who wants to come across sounding like a lazy, good-for-nothing bum? So often when somebody tells us something, we compare our schedules. My schedule's busier than your schedule. But really what it amounts to is some of us are more into the praise of men than we are into growing a great soul in the Lord. Luke 12, 21, not rich toward God. That is a phrase that has made me cringe through the years when I thought about it. 175 years ago, more than that, A brother in Christ wrote, The world today does not take time for devotion, for meditation, for studying with depth, and for self-examination. That brother's name was Alexander Campbell. 
one of the leaders in the restoration movement in this very country. And it was true 175 years ago. I wonder if it's not even more true now. I do not want my busyness to really be nothing more than a cover-up for my pride. That brings me to this matter. In the church, sometimes we kind of get caught up into the the try-harder-do-more syndrome. And again, I add, there probably are Christians in congregations that do need to try harder and do more. But I generally do not think that's talking about us as a whole. And probably the worst thing you can tell some people is to try harder and do more. I want to ask you this question. Hey, Chris, you're a guest, but can't you always pray more? Steve, you're his dad. Can't you always uh, study more? I'm, I'm preaching to you tonight. Can't I always serve more? Who is sufficient to do all these things? 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 16. Sometimes we think that by trying harder and doing more, we are going to automatically become a Christian with 50 or 60 years worth of Bible knowledge and wisdom and prayerfulness and service. And that's not how it works. The best thing and the wisest investment that a person can make is to be still and know that God is God. Psalm 46 and verse 10. Our days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. And for you young people, Google it. A, Google, a, a, a weaver's shuttle can move awfully fast. Job 7 and verse 6. Man born of woman is but a few days and full of trouble. Job 14 verse 1. So teach us to number our days that we might apply our hearts to wisdom. Psalm 90 and verse 12. Help me to remember how short my time is. Psalm 89 verse 47. While those passages are all true, we are allowed the privilege and blessing of coming to a knowledge of God and glorifying and honoring Him. And in the big scheme of life, that ought to be the most important thing. You know, we can talk about, well, if you just do more evangelistically, if we just do more preaching and teaching, if we just do more and try harder, well, okay. All of us can do more and try harder, but it may be the very thing some of us needs to do is get quiet, talk to God, listen to God, and become more godly. That makes a lot of sense. Who can handle all of the things? In an assembly this size, if I ask you what's really important to you, 
in the world. Some are going to say reaching the lost. Some are going to talk about being an instrument of God's love and compassion to people that are poor, that are needy. Maybe somebody's going to say sex trafficking and how many young girls and young men have been taken and turn into something so, so different from what God intended. All of those matters are important, but I want you to know there's not a person alive that can be wholly invested in all of those causes. Wholly invested with their time and their money and their talent. One can believe in them, and Steve, they still may not be wholly invested in those things because there's just too many things. Now, that brings me to the question. A question about your schedule and a question about your time. Am I doing this because I really love God and others? Or am I doing this because I love having the reputation of someone who loves God and others? Hear me there, Chester? The distinction is a subtle one, but it's a dramatic one. It's a big one. It's a ginormous one. Am I doing this? Is this part of my life because I love God and I love others or because I love the reputation of having the reputation of loving God and loving others? If that second part is more true than one would like, some honest assessment and evaluation is ordered. Is in order. That brings me to the third area. Some practical suggestions regarding our time. Number one, you are not the Christ, and I am not either. I find it interesting that John the baptizer on more than one occasion, for example, John 1 verse 20, John 3 28, says, I am not the Christ. He's the forerunner. And in your case and mine, if we are in Christ, we're part of the bridal party, but we are not the groom, and we by ourselves are not the bride. We're part of the bridal party. I am not the Christ. Don't live your life as if you're somebody's Messiah. Live your life in the knowledge that He is the Lord and Savior. Open your Bibles to 1 Timothy 1, verse 1. This brings me to a second suggestion that's closely related to this. This has helped me some in my own schedule, in my own time management, stewardship. I'm not the Messiah. Jesus is. I'm not trying to build my kingdom. 
I want to build the Lord's kingdom. I want to build that up. Secondly, this suggestion from 1 Timothy 1.1. Jesus is the hope of this world. Jesus is the hope of this old world. I love the way this passage frames it because it is rather unique. God, our Savior, and Christ Jesus, our hope. No matter what we are saying, doing, or thinking, we ought to do those things in our lives because God is our Savior and Christ Jesus is the hope of this old world. Third, I suggest this. Remember the church and its remarkable diversity of gifts and talents. Terry, not everybody can do the things you can do. But you can't do everything that the church can do here at Westside. And no one can do everything that the church can do the worldwide church either. The local church. We're in this together and each person has unique gifts and abilities that they can contribute. And so in many ways some of the needs that I spoke of like evangelism or working with young people or sex trafficking and moral issues Christians coming together who all are utilizing their gifts and talents can make a bigger difference than one person trying to have their finger in all of those pies and more. Aren't you glad about that? I am glad to be part of the church of Jesus Christ. Because I may be concerned about a matter, Miss Darby, but I may not understand some of the best ways to minister and to help, and others may know that better than I do. We're all part of God's family, number four. Open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 5.17. If you wanted to, this passage could just blow your mind time-wise. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 consists of three words in most translations. Pray without ceasing. For every need, Christ is the hope of this world. And whether or not you are directly involved in a particular area of outreach or need, you can still pray. And the prayers don't have to be long. Steve Mills, one of our deacons, mentioned in the announcement tonight about Glenda passing away, who is the aunt of Tricia Pumphrey. Stacy Register. Many of us know their mom, Carolyn Seiler. That is the sister of Miss Glenda who passed away. 
We can pray there. We can pray for Gwen Lorenz. Doesn't have to be long. Pray without ceasing. What's well, a good thing? We can pray for Miss Rhonda back there and so many others. We can pray for you and you can pray for me. Prayer to understand the fact that you and I will only accomplish a little bit if we try to do everything, but when we go to the throne of omnipotence, God is only limited by His lack of will, not His lack of power. Imagine what would happen if more of us invested more time being still and knowing that He's God and praying. Here's a fifth suggestion to keep in mind. Jesus did not do it all. And no one in this room even begins to measure up to the greatness of Jesus. He did not heal every person. He did not stay in one town exclusively. He moved on. And sometimes he left when there was still an awful lot more good that we would have thought could have been done. He left and would go to a desert place to be with God. And many of the time management experts, you know, seven habits of highly effective people, maybe thought that Jesus got it all wrong because he invested 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry. And even in ministry nowadays, we've turned it around and we can do in two years what Jesus took three to do. Training only takes a couple of years, maybe four years. Now, I want you to think about the fact that even the Lord didn't do everything. I want you to keep these truths in balance. Our primary purpose is to honor and glorify Jesus. Related to that, Sarah, is getting your family home to God. That's like 1A and 1B. Do you agree? Getting your family home to God. There will be some things that you do not do because you choose not to. And we have to live with that. Because we cannot be what everybody expects and we cannot try to do everything. Now look at John 17, 4. Jesus did not do everything, but He did precisely what He came to do. And I want you to know you and I can do that too. Jesus didn't do everything maybe he could have done, but he did what he came to do. I have glorified you on earth, having finished the work you gave me to do. Because it's about honoring God, glorifying Him, 
and helping others get home, especially your family. By any standard of reckoning, Jesus lived a life of excellence. And we can too. Thanks to God and His grace. Please pray with me. God, thank you for giving us the opportunity and the challenge of being stewards of our time. Help us to be aware of the dangers of busyness. Help us not to be lazy or lethargic. Help us not to get caught up in things that will divert our attention from your honor and glory and from getting and for getting people home, especially our families. Help us to realize that we will never deal with this matter perfectly, but we can all deal with our time more like Jesus. Help us to be like the Son of God in the way we use our time. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and our hope. Amen. If you are not in Christ, you'll never have a better time, a better opportunity than right now to come to Jesus. Why would you wait? You can be forgiven of your sins. You can leave this very facility with your sins washed away. You can be in Christ. You can be part of the church. You can have the Lord's help with you every moment of your life till you take your final breath and then you go to glory to be with Him. I hope that you'll do that if you haven't. And for those of us who are Christians... Don't look back on your life and think just about wasted time and regret. Thank God that we can be more like Jesus in how we use time. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work you've given me to do. Let us stand and sing.